Hello Queens, welcome back. Here is part two of the Truth Is series, where Carmen and I are discussing death and dying. You mentioned that there's a difference between talking about death and talking about dying. Can you mm-hmm. go a little bit further in explaining that? Yeah, so I think people can often be a little bit more comfortable talking about like when I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Or like just like I'm gonna die. Because mm-hmm. it's they're not wrong, we are all gonna die. Um, but dying and the process of figuring out what you want to do, because Mm -hmm. really we were all born dying. Like that's one of the things people say, like, like life is, is, you know, being born is a hundred, has a hundred percent mortality rate because we're all going to die. Um, so saying, yeah, I'm going to die. You're not really thinking that it could happen at any moment, but Mm -hmm. when you start putting things in place, because you know whether it's subconsciously or not, you're in the process of dying. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how old you are, we are all in the process of, like, expiring. Yes. And we need to put things in place. That can be very difficult for people because then they have to actually face their mortality outside of something abstract. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes really real for them. Mm-hmm. And then they have to think about things that they wouldn't necessarily think of. And it isn't just for them. It could be for your parents. It could be you know, for whoever, where you're just like, you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, well, my mom, you know, is not from here. Like my grandma's not from here. How much is it going to cost for me to to fly her over? Like how much is that going to cost her? What should we have in place? Should I start asking questions about, you know, in the event of her ending up in a coma or ending up, you know, do we want to keep life support on? Do we not like... Those conversations are super difficult for people to have because, one, it can be awkward if you're having it with people who are older because then they're like, you're trying to kill me. And an African like, woman, please. Yeah, exactly. They're like, so you're trying to kill me. Yeah. You're trying to kill me. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Mexicans are the same. They're like, so what, you're trying to end my life right now? Like, yeah. you're, already thinking, you're already celebrating my death. I haven't mm. even gone yet. Yeah. But really, we have to be practical, especially when you don't live at, like, I don't know about you, but like back home, I feel like funerals are slightly easier and not. Oh, yeah, because you have expensive. hundreds of people helping you. Exactly. But here it's very isolating, mm-hmm. it's very expensive, it's very intimidating. These funeral homes are just a bunch of white people. Like, mm. you know, it's yeah. hard. And, and I think, but I think it's a conversation that people need to have because dying, dying can happen at any Any time. And I think. I feel like that's something that we don't acknowledge as the, you know, as black people. We never actually talk about the fact that dying can happen at any time. Of course, we understand that we will all die at some point. You know, you will hear Africans be like, oh, I'll be reunited with the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) But you never actually hear them saying like, this could happen to me and I need to prepare. Um, Yeah. And, like, my mom started getting sick. Um, like, I started noticing that she was deteriorating. Right. Um, around October of 2015. And I told her, like, okay, you need to go see a doctor. But she had already chosen to, like, give up, right, on herself. Right. And mm-hmm. so, but there was no, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if that conversation it would have been helpful if she had been like, okay, well, I've chose... If my mom had sat me down and been like, I have chosen to right. do this, mm-hmm. I just don't want to do do life anymore. 
like it was kind yeah. of like passive like her right. doc her doctor called it like passive suicide like she's yeah. not actually gonna do it but she is going to abandon any health you know any like advice that the doctors have for her she's just gonna yeah. choose death act right. instead mm-hmm. and it was like i wished that that was because it, it took like almost a year for her to die right you know and I, it was something i wished that we had talked about how different but then i also know myself i would have been like what the hell do you mean you're choosing to die like <laughs> so no, it's like but, okay so you know yourself and you know that that would have been a reaction that you would have had yeah but hypothetically speaking at the end of the day you could have had a conversation with your mom where maybe you didn't agree with her but you'd at least be a little bit more emotionally prepared yes and have the hard conversations because once you're fully aware that someone is dying and mm-hmm. you can have that conversation, mm-hmm. you know, it can kind of help. Like I, I, that's why it's so difficult, but I like, I get your mom cause my grandmother, I and Jane, I was the one, I am one of her several, she has nine kids. So I'm one of her several, several grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me to have to sit there one day and I'm just it was after one of my death doula things that I was doing and mm-hmm. I sat down and I was like so grandma what do you what do you want you know in, in, in case something happens to you oh god <laughs> grandma was like sorry and I'm like well you know things can happen like mm-hmm. you know like accidents <laughs> things can happen and she was just like you mean if I die? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, but also, what if you end up in a coma? Like, do you want us to resuscitate you? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want us to do? And she just said, oh, yeah, I don't know. Don't worry about it. I'll, you know, you just do whatever you want to do once I'm dead. My grandma has nine kids, nine stubborn ass, annoying ass children. Can you imagine? I was like, they cannot make a decision together. They can't even sit in the same room together on a normal day. You want them to decide your funeral arrangements together? Absolutely yeah. fucking not. So anyway, <sighs> I had to get my grandma to like write everything down. Oh, and nice. And put it on her fridge. Jeez. I, I like, you know, I was you, fortunate. You gotta be firm. You gotta be firm and you have to sit there and be like, this is what I know about our family. Yeah. This is what I know about you. Mm-hmm. You better, it better you tell me what you need to save me the stress and everyone else the stress. We'll never touch it again. You sign it, you leave it, and go on about your day. Pretend it doesn't exist. We'll keep it somewhere safe. And if ever something does happen to you, at least we have it. And you just leave it at that. Yeah. And and that's crazy. Like, that's a whole different dynamic. I was fortunate that my, my siblings... Once my once once they started to see that my mom was sick, they were like, "Oh, we don't want anything to do with that." So <laughs> they signed their rights away to any sort of care, um, right. and so I was doing this by myself. I was the only. It was obviously really really hard be- to 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 You're deal all with. Alone, Jane. Like that's not okay. Yeah, like it was really tough, but I cannot imagine having not now dealing with it with nine siblings i i don't know i don't know if i can do that able to agree on anything and then that's just more stress and more drama that people don't need and i think like planning for your death can lead to really beautiful beautiful things like one of the questions that we ask is like what kind of legacy do you want to leave for the people that you've left behind Mm -hmm. because ultimately death and dying from what we know for a fact Mm -hmm. doesn't impact the person who's dead they're dead 
Yes. It's about the people they've left behind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, explaining it as like, what do you want to leave behind for the people that are now alone without you and who are missing you? And so, for example, with a lot of older folks, one of the things, or people who are dying, for example, of cancer, Mm -hmm. like if they have grandchildren, um, what they'll do, I've seen really beautiful things where they meet with a death doula and they're like, look, I, I know I'm dying. Mm-hmm. My grandkids are young. I'm going to leave a birthday card for every year until mm. they're 18. And That's I'm going to leave them a gift for every yeah. year. And I'm going to leave them a little note with a little card or I'm going to get like a chest made mm-hmm. that has like a bunch of notes that I've left them. Or, you know, I'm going to make them a video for every year or, you know, I know my daughter is going to get married without me at some point. So I'm going to leave a video for when she gets married mm-hmm. so that she doesn't feel alone. So like, having these things in place as much as it feels like you're bringing death to you Mm -hmm. death is always with us right that's like you cannot have life without death you cannot you can't have death without life so it's always with us so whenever people are like you're invoking it i'm like it is death it's gonna happen (laughs) it's a cold-hearted bitch and it comes for us all so yeah it's just hanging out so yeah might as well make something beautiful with the knowledge that we all have and figure it out that way because it'll save everybody else so much so much stress because sitting there and figuring out finding out that even cremated it cost you ten thousand dollars to send a body to another country my god and that's without a burial and that's without anything without anything just ten thousand dollars to get the body over Mm -hmm. is unreal and it is easier for you to have your wishes laid out. I had to fight with um with family members who were like, she deserves to come to Uganda. She's a Ugandan woman. And then my dad was like, she married, I paid her dowry and she has to come back to, you know. It, it was, I, and these people, when they, they did, when I tell you, they didn't give me a cent. See? And I, I just had to be like, y'all can go fuck yourselves. Amen. I am going Amen. to do exactly what I want. Because when I was taking care of my mother for, from October until July, mm-hmm. you didn't do anything. I mm-hmm. suffered all by myself. So exactly. fuck. And, and all they said was, well... That is why we have daughters. They are the carers of the home. Okay. So let me continue then. And then when she died, they're like, women don't take care of of, of funeral things. That's not their job. Like, I'm telling you, like, it's... It's crazy. And, And there's something about death that I've realized that makes people, like, run mad. Like, yeah. is there something about death that makes everybody, a, like, a lunatic? Yo, that's what I was telling my grandma. I was like, Grandma, your kids at the best of times are assholes. Not my mother. My mother's a saint. But the rest of them, for the most part, are assholes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you think, what do you think they're going to be like when they're grieving? The loss of their mother. That is the biggest loss you can go through, honestly, is the loss of, like, your, your parental figure. It is horrible. I was like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen when these assholes are grieving? Yeah. They're not going to get nicer. Mm-hmm. That's for fucking sure. Um, no. and it's, it's crazy. And like, so you're saying that the conversation 
we obviously talk about death, but we need to start talking more about dying and the process that leads up to it. Yeah, because it's also a situation where, you know, when things like power of attorney aren't figured out and like you were lucky enough and also very unlucky, but to have your siblings kind of be like, can you take over for this? Yeah. But, you know, having that conversation where a parent or even a sibling with another sibling can just sit there and be like, look, I trust you to know what's best for me in a situation Mm -hmm. where I can't make a decision for myself. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can be like, look, this is what I want. If something happens, please don't, please don't plug me into anything. Just let me die. Yeah. Right. Like some people might want that. Some people might be like, save my life. I don't care what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And being able to have that conversation and figuring it out is good because I often have heard from people who are grieving the loss of someone, especially if it, they had to make medical decisions near the end of their life, yeah. they feel guilty because they sit there and they're like, I don't know if that was the right decision. I don't know if that's what yeah. they would have wanted. And, and it's because had they known, mm-hmm. had somebody sat there and been like, this is what I want, yes, you might still feel guilty. You might still be like, maybe they would have kept going. Maybe I shouldn't have done it. Maybe it was too soon. Mm-hmm. You can still have kind of that peace of mind and knowing, no, they mm-hmm. wouldn't have wanted it anyway. This is what they wanted. And it yeah. just saves you so much guilt as well, I think, in a certain way. And I think our culture as Africans, because we we really believe that, oh, taking, you know, the power to take life is is God's only. Mm -hmm. And so for me, what I dealt with, I made the mistake of opening up to a pastor and saying um, I had to make the decision Mm -hmm. to not resuscitate, for to turn off my mom's life support. Mm -hmm. And he blew up on me he he said i killed my mom oh helpful i like i've never like i burst into tears we were in the middle of like a fellowship and i started to cry like my mom had been dead for three days And so I started to bawl and cry. And I guess he was like not expecting it. Yeah. And I was like, how can you say I killed her? I didn't kill her. They had, she was, she was brain dead. Like she was dead. Yeah. All I did was like take her out of her misery. Yeah. And he was like, and it was such a difficult decision to make. Of course, yeah. Like, you don't think I wanted to keep her on machines for 20 years so I can go and have a body that I could look at? Exactly. But that, the, but that wouldn't have been fair. I would have been... I would yeah. have been doing that for me, for my yeah, own for self-gratification. Exactly. Which is not fair. Like... No. So no. I started and bawling. What He's like, well, you do, who told you to do God's work? Are you fucking kidding? Oh, my God. Yeah, I would have punch that man in the throat <laughs> so my aunt my aunt gets angry and she's like why the fuck would you tell her that you know like that is so fucking rude she didn't kill her mom yeah of course but then like it's, it's like these are the things that we have to talk about so people are not telling people that oh well you, you if you if you're you take them your, your family members or you're killing your friends well that's the thing and i think and i often feel that when people say that type of stuff just like so because you said it didn't seem like they expected you to react that way yeah. which to me personally says that that person has never experienced having to do that no 
because like they didn't come to it with humility and with understanding at all which to me makes it sound like they've actually never experienced it and doctors will be very clear mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that you have to unplug all the time Mm-mm. people do whatever they think is is best and right and that's the decision you make is the decision that you make mm-hmm. but there are certain situations where when people are brain dead they're still slowly dying and apparently that type of like your organs slowly fail and that type of pain it's excruciating like yeah. they might you don't know if they can feel it there's not they haven't figured out enough of the brain yeah they could just be there slowly dying in pain and we wouldn't know exactly and that's what the doctor said that it's it's too painful like she she had lost like all her weight cuz um by the by the second week when she so two weeks before her death um she wasn't eating she refused to eat right right and i used to force her to eat and i i read about it and i was like that's that's you're punishing them that's horrible so i i ordered not ordered but i i instructed the the medical team like don't feed her leave her alone so then she literally became like lifeless right. and he's like if we stick tubes in her throat just to keep her alive you're going to be putting her through excruciating pain for no yeah. reason exactly. and did the thought of doing that anyway cross my mind absolutely could yeah. i bring myself to do something hell no you know yeah, i had exactly. to and i was like and i told the pastor like you are disgusting you have no idea what this whole no. year has meant and mm-hmm. for you to like call me a murderer basically exactly is is unfathomable like i i just i couldn't even believe it and until this day like me and him i don't know i hate him like i hate his guts it's yeah i mean that's totally fair i would feel the exact same way like i and couldn't I believe actually, somebody said that i had somebody tell me uh speaking of inappropriate shit to tell people when they're grieving yeah <laughs> so my boyfriend like died of you know by suicide and mm-hmm. uh there was this woman god i probably shouldn't be calling out different religion religious people i think she was like a seventh day adventist mhm i don't know what that is to be honest like i know what it is it's like a dumb denomination of like christianity of some sort yes But, um she decided that while i was crying in my in the office you know mm-hmm. a week after he died not even to tell me did you know he went to hell though right oh are you serious like what is happening oh my god and i like it's not like i asked her did he go to hell Oh my god. I think I just sat there and I was like everybody keeps telling me that he's in a better place now and she's like, "Well, no, cuz he committed suicide, so he went to hell." Did you punch her? Oh my god, I wanted to. I just burst into tears. Mostly. Yeah. But, yeah. Man. Yo, that shit is I rough. don't understand. And can we talk about inappropriate things to tell yes, people? Yes, please. So, If I yeah. hear one more person telling, okay. <sighs> if you know a young person, and when I say young, Sometimes I hear this for people in their fucking 50s. Don't tell them you're still young, you'll find someone. I I got that a lot. You will meet someone and you'll fall in love and it will be amazing. I lost my mother, bitch. No. Like, like I'm 
sorry. Are you telling me that some man is going to replace the love of a mother? <laughs> like, please. Absolutely yeah, not. I got that a and lot, I, too. I love, so I love when people just let you, I, death and dying makes people uncomfortable, but so does, like, when people are grieving, mm-hmm. honestly, half the shit I hear people say to comfort other people mm-hmm. is literally them just feeling uncomfortable and comforting themselves. Yes. So don't worry, it'll get better. You mm-hmm. won't always feel like this. Mm-hmm. Um, just be strong. Um, don't break down. Don't break down. Like, if you have kids, it's like, don't break down in front of them. First of all, go fuck yourselves. You're just creating the perfect storm for mental health challenges. And your kids need to see that you're a human being. Exactly. So I think that oftentimes people say things because they want to tell you to stop doing the thing that makes them uncomfortable. That makes sense. Crying and being, or just being sad. Yeah. Um, Or also telling people how they should grieve. Like, you know, hearing things about, you know, back in the day, even sometimes now, police officers will often, were often thinking that somebody was a suspect in like a a murder or like if somebody died in the family and the person didn't emote in any, in a specific way, it was like, oh, they obviously did something or they're obviously guilty or, you know, like you didn't love them. But different people grieve very differently. Like uh, crying is not actually like just crying and breaking down. Some people are like, they're called, there's like active grief, like active grievers and passive grievers. And apparently there's people who grieve with their heads and not with their hearts. So what that means is like, they'll part of, part of them grieving is them getting everything set up. So they're the ones that are running around, running all the errands and picking up the food and doing the funeral arrangements. And like, everybody's like, Oh my God, they're so strong. They haven't cried. They haven't whatever. Um, and sometimes people think that that means that they're cold and they didn't care, but that's just the way some people grieve. Oh yes. I dealt with this, you know, at the, the viewing, um, and the funeral, I wasn't crying. I was actually cracking jokes and, you know, just being, yeah, just being me, Jane, as usual. Um, and I remember at, like, I was picking up the pictures, the viewing was done, and my grandmother is, you know, I don't get along with that side of the, my mom's mother. Yeah. And so every time she sees me and, like, people, she wants the attention, and so she's, she does this, like, whole dramatic thing, like, she'll, like, oh my god, my, meanwhile, she, she stopped talking to us six years ago. And when she heard my mom was dying, she was like, oh, my God, I better come back. So I'm oh, picking Lord. up the pictures um, and closing the coffin and whatever. And people are like, Jane, what what's going on? You're not crying. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? If I cry, would that bring her back to life? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and then they're like, oh, don't talk like that. You're allowed to cry. And there was a woman who literally shook me, like shook it's me, like, like touched my body and started to shake me to cry. You need to yeah. cry. You need to let out your emotions. It's been so long. Like, why aren't you crying? This is crazy. And then I'm like, I, do, I can't. This is, this is. I have work to do. As you can see, I'm picking up pictures. I got to plan a funeral. Like, I got to do this. I don't have time to sit down and cry about this. And, of course, my grandmother was like, "Ah!" 
yes, she starts to cry and they go back and, and pay attention to her. And then, you know, a lady had, I think you know Maureen from Cat. I don't know if you've oh, maybe, met yeah, her. Yeah, okay, yeah. So she came and so. she shouted at them. She's like, leave her alone. Like she's dealing with this, how she wants yeah. to deal with it. And then people were like, where's the reception? Where's this? Where's that? Where's that? I'm like, why are you guys firing with, firing with all these questions? I don't even have money. I don't know where anything is going to come from. <laughs> My account is in oh, minus. The bank was oh. like, we want the house back. Like, everybody was coming at me from all directions. Listen. It was you crazy. You want to know what brings, out, what brings out the trash bags? Death. Dying. Death yeah. and dying and the assumption that people have money. Yeah. Oh, yes. And there was a lot of people saying, oh, how could you? My grandmother actually said, how dare you get that coffin? It's trash. The coffin that cost $7,000, by the way. Your mother was a very classy Gosh. woman. How dare you get her such an ugly coffin? My grandmother didn't give me a cent, by the way. No, pay me. Give me the money and I'll do it. Not a problem. This, this, this is why I can't handle yeah. those types of people. And that's kind of the problem is that people get into each other's business about like what's respectable, what's appropriate. Mm -hmm. I also think one of the most unhealthy things, and I tell people this all the time, the mm -hmm. most unhealthy thing is that if somebody has been shit to you in life, yeah. Please don't think, and families do this, and it drives me nuts, mm -hmm. but never, ever, ever feel like you are obligated to, to speak well of somebody who constantly treated you like shit. Yes. There's no need. It's traumatic, and I've seen so many situations where people have been abused by their family members, and mm -hmm. then the family member dies, and, you know, somebody's like, yo, that person was a piece of shit, and it's like, how dare you speak ill of the dead? This whole never speak ill of the dead stuff is so toxic yes and that's what the, you know not to go back to to what's his face what's that man's name that we're talking about mccain a lot yeah. of people were like oh don't speak ill of of him and he's he he suffered with his brain tumor but people are allowed to be pissed how many of black course. people did he screw over because he he, he didn't pass the bill for yeah. them to have health care exactly. basic health care Exactly. So that's kind of, that's my problem. That's my issue. Yeah, uh, definitely. People try to be so, people are so, you know, they have their opinions and they give them to somebody who's grieving. Mm -hmm. And so that can be so hard. And, and I think people need to understand that with certain, not always, but there are certain situations where the person is never going to be who they were after someone they love dies mm -hmm. and i think the assumption is that like you you should have gotten over it by now yeah but i think the big thing is that we oftentimes those of us who have really suffered like a really big loss of somebody that we really cared for mm -hmm. um you don't get over it you just learn to live with that grief sitting inside of you yeah constantly and yeah it doesn't and and that's something i think that you you learn only when you go through a big exactly. loss because yeah. when it first happens you try to find ways to because the pain is is incredibly hor horrific you know yeah it's, it's excruciating you feel like i literally sat there and i was like i need the world to swallow me whole yeah it, it's like, horrible it's excruciating take it, it is like take it away i mm -hmm. feel like my heart is being ripped out of my chest yeah like that is 
what it feels like. And, and, and when people say things like, oh, well, you know, you'll get over it soon enough. It's no, like, oh, fuck yourselves. No. And it's like, you know, as, as a people of color and like black people, that's something that we also have to talk about. It's like the truth is, yeah. and, and I come from a family that uh, was hit really hard by the AIDS epidemic um from about i think 1996 i think i was in kindergarten people Mm -hmm. just started dying up until i left uganda i was at a funeral service at least every every other weekend every weekend or every other weekend so but because we didn't talk about it it became sort of normalized of course because people were dying of aids nobody ever talked about it um and the fact that it was death people were just oh you know they died the lord took them but no one ever talked about how that affected you know our family Mm -hmm. um and it's like we have to also start having these conversations on the effects Mm -hmm. of grief yeah Yeah. sorry of death like losses it's a horrible thing and and unfortunately the only thing that helps is time mm-hmm. you just have to even, sit in it until it gets less painful yeah and even then like you can still have you know that's one of the first things that i want because i went to like a bereavement a grief like center group when my partner died mm-hmm. and it was specifically for people who had lost someone to suicide mm-hmm. and one of the things a woman said was um you know she she was older and her sister had, had died with suicide like i think she says something like 12 years before mm-hmm. and uh, now she was a counselor and she was like i sob every year mm-hmm. on the anniversary of her death yeah she's like i sob i can't get out of bed mm-hmm. she's like and you know what it doesn't get easier it really doesn't like every year something will happen mm-hmm. where you will just feel it yeah. and then you realize that it hasn't it's not like for some people it does feel like it's better you've gotten better because you're able to do the things that you would normally do right like it mm-hmm. doesn't it's not constant it comes in waves mm-hmm. or it just barely comes at all um but I definitely think that until you've experienced a situation where you're like, oh, I'm never going to be the same person that I was. Mm-hmm. And this, these feelings that I have, like happiness is never going to feel like happiness in the same way. No. Just like sadness is never going to feel the same. Um, yeah. And being able to have those conversations with people is so important. And like talking to kids about death at a really young age. Yes. So important because yeah. I've met people who like... <laughs> They literally would, I I have a friend who I think they said that their grandmother had cancer Mm. and the parents refused to tell them that they had cancer. Mm -hmm. And so they saw their grandparents deteriorate and deteriorate and deteriorate, but they Mm. were too young to know what was wrong. Exactly. And then all of a sudden their grandparents were gone. Yep. And so, you know, starting them young and having the conversations and if you have like people who you think you need to talk about that with like for mm-hmm. me it was my grandmother because she's very very old and now she has dementia mm-hmm. you know having even making jokes about it like it was the mo- that having that conversation with my grandma was fucking awkward mm-hmm. it was awkward because you know you're kind of going like well you're gonna die soon. yeah um, yeah maybe. and it and it is and we have to acknowledge that it is an awkward um conversation to have like, oh, this is fucking weird but yeah you know, I don't know yeah 
having those conversations with your friends, like I know for, for a fact that I don't trust my mother necessarily. Like I've always said that if ever I'm in a situation where I'm in like a, like they need to like hook me up to like a machine, Mm -hmm. let me die. Like I don't need it. Just let me die. And my mom says the same thing. And my mother has been telling this since I was a child, actually. She's like, whatever you do, don't you dare have me on machines. Same. very comfortable with telling me that and so I'm also comfortable saying that now I don't trust my mother necessarily because my mother god love her is a very emotional human being mm-hmm. and uh she's also a very hopeful human being so she's mm-hmm. the type would be like she'll wake up even yeah. if the doctor's like yeah there's no way so mm-hmm. I have decided and I haven't done it yet mm-hmm. to make my best friend Catherine my um what's it called my substitute decision maker right legally like I would like to be able to do that because I trust that she'll pull the plug I don't trust that my mom will pull the plug and it's not a knock on my mother it's just that you have to if you have arrangements that you want to be fulfilled it's about who's going to best execute them exactly and who can you trust to be able to do it so that your family isn't super stressed and like that's why I was like, Catherine would at least be able to do this and she would know that it's what I wanted and she would be very okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I don't know that my mother could necessarily live with that type of a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've actually had to, I've told my mother, I was like, just so you know, I'm going to try and make Catherine my substitute decision maker because, you know, I don't necessarily think that you'll be able to do this. And yeah. I think uh, it was awkward and she got a little bit uncomfortable, but then she's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's fine. No, yeah, it's, it would have, and that's a, it is a difficult conversation to have, but it is, it is needed. And I wish that, you know, when, um, when I was younger and and like seeing these people that were close to me, there was an aunt that Mm -hmm. was like my best friend. I was, I think it was, I was 10 years old. We were, like, she was literally, like, we were really, really close. And all of a sudden, she started getting sick. You know how, like, when someone has full-blown AIDS, Mm -hmm. they start getting sicker and sicker. And then I was asking my dad, like, what's going on? Oh, yeah. You know, and he's like, ah, no, she's, you know, she just has a cough. And then she's in the hospital, and then she dies, and then her child also dies. And then it's like, oh my God, like what's going on? And I was never allowed to go to burials. So I was, my parents would never tell me anything. Mm. It's like, I feel like even parents have to like respect that children do go through loss themselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You and know. They, they don't understand. You're leaving them with like a really traumatic yeah. memory that they don't necessarily know how to, you know, fully figure out so that's also something that needs to be discussed and I think I also can I just say because you know you and I have a lot of conversations about men and have their trash assery but um yeah also when it comes to death and dying and just relations in general and making and decisions that need to be made and how we should plan Mm. this understanding that your spouse or your parents must be your substitute decision makers like, oh, you know, yeah. like, 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 you know, cause if, if someone, if something happens to you, they go to your next of kin mm-hmm. and oftentimes that's a spouse. Yeah. But my whole thing is like, 
Yeah, it, it could be your spouse. But if I was, you know, if I'm dating someone and the person that I'm dating has known me for what, four or five years, let's say. Uh-huh. My friend Catherine has known me for, you know, since I was like, technically we've known each other since we were like seven or eight. Yeah. Like 20-something years now. Yeah. 20, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Emily has known me since I was three. That's like 20, 25, 26 years now. Yeah. Why is it that society tells us that it has to be your spouse, mm-hmm. first and foremost, who makes these types of like life decisions, health decisions, death decisions for you, and it can't be like your friend, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to go out of your way to give somebody that power of attorney, and yeah. it's just it's so inappropriate like I've talked to people about it and they're like what do you mean but they're my spouse like that's my husband or that's my wife like I obviously I have to like they would be the next of kin and I'm just sitting there yeah no like you can choose whoever you want yeah you don't have to follow whatever society tells you to follow because I'm gonna tell you right now some people have some trash ass partners or some trash ass parents we're going to go around and do some shitty things mm-hmm. like when people are trans and they die and they end up dead named and there's a tombstone with the wrong name and the wrong gender and they put them in fucking whatever clothes mm-hmm. for whatever sex they were born in. Mm-hmm. Imagine that it, that is how you die. You die and you die dead named and in the wrong fucking clothes. Like yeah. imagine the insult. Why? And it, it, they're the ones making the decision for you. Yeah. Even and if you wanted and I didn't even think about that like that's really true like can you imagine I remember this is a conversation that I had to sort of fight with my with a lawyer about they were like what about your dad and my mom fleed Uganda because my dad was violent and almost killed her and Mm -hmm. is that somebody that you think can make a decision for her like come on absolutely not exactly that's exactly my point yeah, no, that's that exactly makes right. sense. But it it happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen it in a lot of African households where you know this guy was the one beating her and making her life mm-hmm. a living hell. And you see him giving, like, a tearful eulogy and being in charge. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And everybody's okay with it all because he's the husband. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I remember there was a conversation, um, somebody that I know was telling us that, like, her grandma doesn't play that kind of shit, mm-hmm. and apparently, like, it was something like her grandma's sister was getting beat up by the husband mm-hmm. all the time, so then the grandma was like, uh-uh, I am not playing these games, and burned down the house. Oh, shit. Went and burned down the house and was like, Bye have a nice life and uh it was interesting because they were like the aunt still speaks very fondly of her wife beating husband but everybody's just like he was so awful that your sister burnt down the house yeah like it's it's crazy be nice about him like you don't need to be nice about him like, I don't know, like, God forbid it's my... Fake. It's fake as shit, might I add. That is some fake ass shit if somebody who's treated you like shit is gonna... My funeral, Jane, my funeral is invite only. Yeah. My funeral will be invite only because Amen. I know there are some fake ass people who are gonna show up and make it about them. That's yeah. the other part. People who go to funerals who make it about them... Yeah. God help me, that is my one of my biggest pet peeves. And that is one of the things I hated most when my partner died. I was sitting there going like, 
you weren't there for them at the hospital every day. Mm-hmm. You didn't go to Cam H with them. You didn't have to do all the things you had to do. And you're coming in here and telling me how happy you are. Oh, I can feel them. They're with me right now. And I'm Disgusting. like, that must feel nice. That must feel nice. People are shame. People are shameless. I'm telling you. That's why I'm saying like, it is like when death happens, people just get on crack cocaine. <laughs> like I don't understand. Like there was a lot of people where there was one lady who was like, and I'm not contributing to your to your mom's funeral because you didn't you didn't call me when she was sick. I'm like, bitch, then don't contribute. What? What the fuck? Oh, Sorry. So I have to make my mother's personal business your business for you to contribute, help yeah. out. And I didn't. It's not. You'd think I went to beg her at her house. Yeah. Like yeah. the entitlement. The entitlement. I'm people telling have you, over who death you are. is crap mm-hmm. for people. It oh, has yeah. to be because people partner's... changed. Like I was like, are you the same yeah. person I used to know? No, no, death, death, I think death sometimes, when people are grieving, especially if they feel guilty, they will hone in on one person. Mm-hmm. They will hone in on that one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, this is you. Yeah. This is your fault. I know my partner had a deadbeat dad. He was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he wasn't, he like, her, his, it wasn't that like, you know, my partner's mother literally called him and was like, your son is not doing well and he is in the hospital mm-hmm. like you need to come and he never showed because he was like it's too expensive to get there from hamilton to toronto yeah yeah so, yeah and then when he when my partner died like a year later did he not blame my partner's mother for dying he blamed mm. my partner's mother he blamed uh, my partner's mother and then he tried getting her to tell him how much money my partner had in his bank account what the hell? Like, I... Yeah, he, he told her, he was like, oh, so what's going to happen with his money? Are you keeping it all? I'm tired. I was like, you were, have not been in his life for... Years. Ever, since he was six. He died at 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sit there and be like, where's his money? Why do you get to keep it? <sighs> I'm tired. Unreal. This is why I just think the sooner you get your shit sorted... Please. Even if you write it on a piece of paper, you don't have to necessarily go to a lawyer, but you mm-hmm. can. There are practical tips. The um, Toronto Public Library, the public library in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, you can print out from their website if you have a library card, mm-hmm. a living will and a last will. So there's two different wills. Mm-hmm. I think a living, a living will and a last will are different. I Right now at this moment cannot remember the difference, but they're two mm-hmm. different documents. You can... Mm-hmm get them printed out like they're available at the Toronto Public Library. Okay. And you can print them and then I think all you have to do is possibly get them notarized but you can even just have them as a document Mm -hmm. for people to and like keep them in a place and to let somebody know where Mm -hmm. it is so that if ever something happens to you it's there. Yeah. Um, So even if it's not notarized it counts as 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 documentation of your wishes. Yes. It's 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 really important and and I think we have to start we, we have to start having these conversations that it 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 like you I don't know the to word to it saves you, you so much hassle you will get swindled by some of these funeral homes did you know 
that um, the funeral home doesn't have to come pick up the body from the hospital. I heard that they started that rule. That's a new rule now. That you have to? That you that they don't have to now. They never had to, apparently. I did not know that. Yes, and it costs quite... They charge you quite a bit of money to come pick up the body from the hospital. Yes, $500. Like, I know that sounds weird, and some people wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. But if you pay money, you don't have... You literally don't need to... Mm-hmm. pick up like you don't need to have somebody come pick up the body you can if somebody has a car and is willing yeah or if it makes it feel better for you to pick up the body you can pick up the body like yourself and yeah. save you money you don't necessarily have to have a person embalmed mm-hmm. if you want to bury them right away you bury them right away mm-hmm. um and, and that's not what you want to do that's also really bad for the environment but mm-hmm. that's a different thing but, like, no it's crazy like everything costs so much money like getting my mom and keep in mind my mom was died in ajax and Mm -hmm. she died a smooth seven minutes from the funeral home but it was five hundred dollars to pick her up well that's what you could have saved yourself five hundred dollars yeah but see i didn't know that i didn't know that i could pick up the body myself well they won't tell you they won't tell you these things. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the issue. Like, you could do that. You could have a home... You could have a home funeral service. I I was told that that would have... That that's not allowed. Nope. You can... You can do a service at home. So, like, that's one of the things that death doulas help with sometimes. Mm-hmm. If you want a home funeral service... Now, it depends. Because some death doulas are affiliated with, like... I'm not going to say which, but there are certain hospices or like palliative care people who, mm-hmm. who teach death doula work but who tell you to do it like who are like oh this is a funeral home we're associated with i and see can, yeah and you can have, just have a home funeral service but like a death doula can if they're trained in home funeral services help you preserve the body for a couple of days yeah so that you can have the wake at home you don't even have to have a casket they could be in their bed like, your family can come visit them in their bed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know all of that, you know? Yeah. Those are things you can do. Now, you're going to have to pay for, like, a like if, especially if they're being buried. Yeah, you'll have to pay for a plot of land, and you'll have to pay yes. for, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, if that's, like, there are ways to cut costs, and there are ways to even maybe do a funeral that's a little bit more personal than having another funeral home. Yeah. It, it's crazy, like... I won't tell you. Like after after the death, how much you you actually learn. But I do, yeah, I do encourage people to talk about the process of dying and not just death itself. We're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah, talk about the process of it. But my last question to you is: How do you think this? Like, what direction does this conversation need to go? Because we, we are saying, like, you know, yes, people do have to talk about it. And, yes, it's important. But we're also talking about, you know, communities of color. This is a, a black podcast. And mm-hmm. so black people are going to be listening to it. Where does that conversation even start from? Oh, yes. Sorry. Um, if you hear anything in the background, somebody has fireworks going off next to my building. Yeah. No that's okay. <laughs> It's not, anyway. it's, it's not even a holiday. Anyways, yeah. Listen, quarantine has these white people in my neighborhood acting Crazy. foolish. Yeah. 
But anyway, that's not the point. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think, I, I do think that we need to be aware that, like, especially, so, for example, for folks who are black and also, um, I, even even for me, it's hard as a Mexican, brown, white, adjacent woman to, like, have a conversation sometimes with people in my community and, and friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you don't have to push it you know, you don't have to be super strong about it. Am I super strong about it with certain people? Yeah, but I'm not going to be like that with everyone because it's insulting. Mm-hmm. That shit is insulting. So you need to be careful and you need to do it with compassion. So mm-hmm. if you are having that conversation, even even not framing it as death, you know, at first. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. want to have that conversation just for me with my grandma. I was like, well, what if there's an, what if an accident happens and like, let's say you're unconscious. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if you're unconscious and, and you're in an accident or you fall or something and, and you can't speak for yourself, like you can't talk? Mm-hmm. What would you want us to do? Like, who should make the decisions for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and starting the conversation that way where it's like, it's still a conversation about something unfortunate, but it's not necessarily death. Mm-hmm. And then you get to that conversation later or you can have a conversation, you know, I even think with the situation going on now, like, as, as a racialized person, you know, we are constantly dealing with the death of our people and the destruction of our people. Mm-hmm. Um, black people specifically are dealing with it at a level that, like, I will never understand, nor mm-hmm. will anybody else unless you are black, right? And, like, yeah. you're dealing with death all the time. Yeah. And you are seeing it all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're experiencing, like, active genocidal violence constantly mm-hmm. um and so i can understand why it's hard to then come home and want to talk about funeral arrangements yeah you know because yeah. that shit is fucking depressing and you remember oh yeah our life expectancy isn't as long as everybody else's mm-hmm. and i think black women else? it's it's crazy like 51 yeah it's fucking horrendous yeah and so that's why you know finding a way to do it of doing it with compassion or even starting with like I find that folks who are younger are often a little bit better kind of having those conversations. And so finding places that talk about death and dying um, and bringing your friends, mm-hmm. I think is really good. Like I always encourage when we're doing, when I do like my death and dying talks for people to bring friends mm-hmm. because then when it's over and the talk is over, you can have a conversation with your friends about like, well, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Like, what did you think? And yeah. then it kind of starts a conversation with the younger generation. And then, it helps kind of destigmatize for you and then maybe that's a way to kind of talk to other people Mm -hmm. um but just being very careful and very compassionate don't come at it gung-ho being like you're gonna die (laughs) tell me what you want yes that's that's (laughs) that's really important you do have to be um tactical um about it you have to be tactful you have to be kind you have to be soft about it. And obviously, like, it depends with who, because there might be people who, like, are very blunt and very, like, you know, they just say what they say. And so maybe those are the type of people you can have a conversation with and you'd be like, yeah, well, you know, every all this shit that's happening makes me think, like, we could die at any moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and being like, especially like, like, a long life is not prompted. First of all, if you're spiritual, as so many people are, mm-hmm. you should know that, like, we we go when we go. Yeah. Like we go when we go and that does not necessarily mean that we are all going to live to be a hundred years old. So being able to even say that and be like, you know, 
some of us might not live as long as other people, so we should yeah. probably prepare. Mm-hmm. Or why don't, you know, even something as simple as that, or even being really strategic and, like, printing out some of those forms mm-hmm. from, like wherever from the library and having it at home and just being like oh look I got this from school or oh they were handing this out wherever like it's just questions about blah 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 can open up a conversation Mm -hmm. Um, that's one way to do it that I find like like, you can be like these crazy people gave me these forms want to talk about it or talking about it as legacy instead of just death so talking about it in the sense of like um like if, especially if a person is older, um, you know, and, or if they're dealing with something where, you know, they might die sooner than, you know, other people or sooner than anticipated, mm-hmm. um, even saying things like, well, just in case you're not around for your grandkids or, you know, just in case if, if something happens, like, what would you want us to remember you like with, like, what would, what would make you feel like we were really holding space for you mm-hmm. or what would feel good for you? Um, like what would you want to leave the grandkids like as memories or what would you want to leave your, you know, nieces and nephews or what, you know, having that kind of a a conversation where it's more about like, how do you want us to remember you? Yeah. is a good kind of way to start. Cause if you start with what funeral arrangements would you like? Right. That, that that makes more sense. And it, it is. Yeah. You have to be strategic and, you know, for, I mean, I don't know how you talk to an African parent, but maybe you frame it in a way like, um, well, find a show, find a show where someone dies prematurely, (laughs) find a show and watch it with them and 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 just turn around and be like, wait, have you sorted anything out? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to end up like this person. Very true. Have you sorted your, and if they laugh, if they laugh, and that's one way to do it. You could just do it with humor and be like, I don't want to end up like this person. Do you have you sorted, do you have a will? A good movie is uh, My Sister's Keeper um, yeah. that, that addresses, you know, that thing with parents where they think like they're doing their best for their kids, but really, you know, yeah. they're hurting Look, them. Exactly. So, so even saying that, just being like, hey, <laughs> don't do this to me. Can we yeah. have a conversation? You know, just being like, hey, you're not going to do this to me. You make sure you sort your shit out before you die. Yeah. And you don't have to be the one to be in charge. It's just about planting a seed sometimes. Especially yeah. with stubborn parents. Yes. Being like, you know, you can just say like, hey, you make sure you don't do this to me, okay? Just, just, just keep it in mind. And you don't have to say anything else. And the hope is that maybe they'll start to actually think about like, oh yeah, you're right. I probably shouldn't leave my kids with all this shit to do. And it can be, it can be an ongoing conversation. It's not something exactly. that's going to happen the day that you have the Absolutely conversation. Not. So yeah. be willing to continue dialogue. It's a exactly. difficult topic. It's, it's tough. It's, no, we don't, it takes so much time. It yeah. Takes so much time. And so, yeah, have a conversation on, on an ongoing basis and, you know, and, and that's what we, we, I think that's why I started this podcast is so people can start to have these conversations. It's really, really important. If I could, I could have saved myself because I didn't expect my mom to die. I actually kind of thought my mom would live forever, but she didn't. So, well, we all, I, I honestly have never met someone who doesn't feel that way about their, yeah. mother, about their <laughs> mother specifically. Like, we're all like, yeah. oh, she's not going to die. Exactly. So 
if um if I if you could learn anything from my experience is is to prepare because when you when somebody dies and you're dealing with that stress and then having to deal with financial stress mm-hmm. and then you don't even have the finances like it's only by the grace of God that I was able to get through that hell on earth um exactly. but yeah definitely it's a process it's an ongoing conversation um, Carmen, thank you for coming. I appreciate of it. Course. Now you yeah, have totally. you have a podcast as well. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so um, I have a podcast, very different than Jane's. Jane's is amazing. Um, so uh, my friend Catherine and I, who I talked about in this uh, podcast, uh, do a podcast called "I'd Kill a Spider for You." Mm-hmm. Um, we have an Instagram that's "I'd Kill a Spider for" like F O R U. So mm-hmm. I'd kill a spider for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are available anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And uh, but Catherine and I are huge nerds. Catherine is Jamaican. Mm-hmm. Um, I am Mexican, and uh, Catherine is very funny and makes fun of me constantly. So the podcast is us talking about serious topics. But Catherine and I aren't good at getting like deep and emotional we just mm. laugh at very inappropriate things so yes. our last episode we talked about um jk rowling yeah we yeah oh yes yes so that was one of the ones we talked about about how she's a piece of shit but we still love harry potter mm-hmm. um we talked about toxic grandmas yes and having grandmothers who are just assholes mm-hmm and having to deal with the fact that like for some reason there's a stereotype that grandmothers are nice and sweet and i'm sorry i have yet to meet one yeah it doesn't bring a lot of baggage. <sighs> Trust me, it like when it comes to toxic grandmas, I know it. Like even my grandmother, my my dad's mom, who I love with every fiber of my body, <laughs> is very toxic. Like she'll say things like, you know, men will beat you. That's life. Just get married. You know, it's better no. to be a married woman. And I'm like, absolutely no, grandma, that's, no. That's no she's like don't you see your grand your grandfather he stopped beating me so he's fine i'm like nobody is beating me no no i don't want oh that sounds like my grandma my grandma says i'm too serious and that's why i don't have a man <sighs> but you do have a man actually yeah she doesn't need to know that though <laughs> she, no, she will never find out um, so yeah so like Catherine and i talk about nerdy shit we had one on the lord of the rings we had one on harry potter We've done one on the Avengers, but we also talked about, like, suicide was, like, our fucking second episode. We mm-hmm. talked about suicide. We've talked about anti-black racism, which is a mm-hmm. big one, uh, because Mexicans be trash. Oh, yeah. Not black. My Latinos, man. The Latinos keep... be problematic, man. Like Even, oh. the black, even the ones that are black say they're not yeah. black. So, you know, we got a lot. And so if you can imagine that. You can just yeah. imagine what us white adjacent brown ones are like. It, like, Christina yeah. Millian got into some... It, Christina Millian, like, she looks black. She looks like a black person. And But you know what? If she doesn't want to call herself black, great. Sorry, what did she say she was? She said that she's Latina. She's Cuban. Yeah, but you can be Latina and be black. Like, no, she that's said... The, that's she the said, away for today. She can, said uh, she's Cuban and you can't call her black. Actually, that's not fucking... Okay. So, yeah. You know what? Technically speaking, not all countries, like, consider black as, like, black. Like, in, in North America, when it's, like, you're black. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, some people, it's, like, it's different. It, it, there are some countries where, like, that term is different. 
but that we know that she grew up here so like ma'am but why but why can't you be cuban and black no of course you can being latin american is not a race latin american does not mean that you are racialized you can be lily white and be latin american just like christina aguilera yeah like you can be all like we have all colors of the rainbow on that continent on that piece of land so yeah for her to be like i'm not black i'm latin american or i'm not black first of all cubans and dominicans drive me nuts that's like they're not i'm just so confused i'm not black i'm dominican i'm like that don't make no sense and Dominican is not a race. You're on the same island. Stop acting like Haitians are a different, like a, a, a different creature from you. I, just, I don't understand. No, it's it is. So, I'm like Christina Amelia. She's like, well, why should I focus on color? <laughs> Absolutely not, ma'am. How, how are we focusing no, on my color? Uncle like that. My uncle, my uncle is exactly like that. My uncle is also Cuban. And his response to my mother, because uh, my mother, don't play no games, my mother has taught me about anti-black racism mm-hmm. since I was in the womb, because my mother ain't having none of that. Now, when it comes to Asian people, very different story. That's mm-hmm. the story for another day. But when it comes to black people, my mom's like, nah, listen to me. Us people were racist. Uh, come correct, Carmen. You need to come correct because I didn't bring you into this world to be a piece of shit. My mm-hmm. uncle is Cuban and black, and his response to my mother when she was like, "But you're black," was, "I'm not black." He's like, "I know black guys. They're like black, like a telephone black." Oh my god, my I can't. It's like I'm Cuban, and my mother was like, "That don't make." No you're sense. an idiot. Yes, I have one of those in my. Thank God he was married, and and he's not my blood relative. But yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Um and that's not even speaking about my kind. When yeah. they say there are no black people in Latin America. Mm-hmm. Those are trash ass people. But anyway, we talk it's... about all sorts. All oh. sorts. Serious oh. topics and funny topics. Mm-hmm. So Um, yeah, yeah, guys, check out her podcast, I'd Ki- I'd Kill a Spider for You. I'm gonna put it in the description box. Um, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. Let's of do course. this again. Come back. Yes, ma'am. Anything and, you need, I will be there. Whatever you want. Um, and what is is the Instagram for your podcast the same as the name of the podcast? Yeah, I'd kill a spider for you. And then our Twitter is I'd kill a spider number four letter U. Okay. So I will put yeah. that all in there. Um, thank you guys for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.